Hi everyone, um, we're looking at an ad today in Iowa's super tight uh, Senate race between Democrat Teresa Greenfield and Republican Joni Ernst. Um, before we dive into things, um, I'm Marissa Payne, I'm the Gazette's Cedar Rapids government reporter. I'm John Steffi, I'm the Gazette's business reporter. I'm Michaela Ram, I'm the healthcare reporter. And I'm Erin Jordan, I cover investigations. Right, we're just a few days out from the election, and we're looking at a um, six-second ad paid for by the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, um, which is the campaign arm of Senate Democrats. And this was posted to Facebook on September 16th, and the ad claims Joni Ernst gave trillions in tax breaks to corporate special interests. She's not on our side. And then the text of the post, um, so this part is like on Facebook itself, um, states that she wants to pay for it by cutting our Medicare. Um, so we'll take a look at both of these claims. Um, so in looking at the first claim, um, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee pointed to Ernst's vote in the December 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act um, as the basis of its claim. So, um, you know, Ernst was one of 51 senators who voted in favor of passing this tax reform bill, um, largely along party lines. Um, all but one Republican voted in favor of the bill and all Democrats opposed. Um, and this Republican-backed legislation made temporary cuts to individual tax rates, which were slated to end after 2025, and it slashed the maximum federal corporate income tax rate from 35% to 21%. Um, the Nonpartisan Joint Committee on Taxation, which reports to both the Senate and House Finance and Budget Committees, um, says that the reduced corporate tax rate will save corporations $1.35 trillion through 2027, um, so 10 years of the law being in effect. Um, and the DSCC pointed to some news articles from Fox um, showing that by December 2018, which is nearly the end of the first year that that new tax law took effect, uh, companies had brought back a record $1.1 trillion of stock. Um, now, some other coverage that I, I found had those estimates lower. Um, there was an Associated Press article um, reviewing the S&P 500 index, um, and that came up with um, a combined $806 billion in corporate stock buybacks in 2018, uh, which topped the previous record of $590 million that was set in 2007. Um, and, you know, I mean, lawmakers in, in passing this bill essentially said that this was going to, the benefits of this were going to trickle down to workers. Um, but in May 2019, a Congressional Research Service report found that while evidence does indicate significant repurchases of shares, either from tax cuts or repatriated revenues, uh, relatively little was directed to paying worker bonuses, which had been announced by some firms. Um, so in other words, the data that's out there suggests that large companies have passed the tax cuts on to shareholders instead of um, raising wages, creating jobs, um, upgrading machinery, or doing other things to invest back in their company or um, in employees. So... Um, looking at that claim, you know, the initial $1.35 trillion 
corporations are projected to save in tax cuts over the um, the course of this the first ten years of this bill being in effect doesn't quite amount to trillions that the ad claims just yet, but over several decades um, with these permanent tax cuts that that would be um, you know far more than just that 1.35 trillion. Um, and since the ad doesn't specify a time span, um, I gave that claim an A. Um, and then next, I looked at the, the claim of whether Ernst targeted Medicare to fund um, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So he voted against an amendment to the bill that, that, did, that it ultimately did pass, but it proposed a point of order against legislation cutting benefits from Social Security, Medicare, or Medicaid, which are all entitlement programs um, who receive automatic funding from the government and they cover anyone who qualifies. Um, the Congressional Budget Office projected that the tax bill would increase the federal deficit by um, almost $2 trillion, um, just under that at $1.9 trillion, um, which you know, that made opponents concerned that um, that lawmakers would look to cut funding then from entitlement programs to offset the growth in the deficit that would be created with this legislation. Um, and I was pointed to an Iowa, new, an Iowa Starting Line article in which um, Senator Ernst reportedly raised questions about the high price tag for these entitlement programs, um, and this is from February. Um, the article shared an audio clip of Ernst saying that spending on such non-discretionary programs is on autopilot and is out of control. We have to figure out ways to honor the commitments that have been made, but make changes for the future. Um, and also experts, um, you know, there, there's some projections out there for these programs ultimately showing that they're worse off after the passage of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Um, PolitiFact looked at a claim by President Trump that his, administra his administration strengthened entitlement programs, um, and it specifically mentioned Social Security and Medicare. So the fact-checking website cited a presentation at the American Enterprise Institute, which is a, a market-oriented think tank um, by Paul Spitalnik, um, who is the chief actuary at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. <laughs> Um, so he cited saying that the hospital insurance trust fund, which funds Medicare's core program, Part A, which covers hospital care, had lost three years of solvency after Trump's first year in office. Um, and he directly attributed the loss of one of those years to this GOP tax bill. Um, and he says the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 decreased individual tax rates and as a result, there is somewhat less income coming into the trust fund. Um, so, you know, the, the tax reform package didn't strengthen the forecast for Medicare. And um, Senator Ernst has indicated a desire to rein in non-discretionary spending um, in the Iowa Starting Line article. But, you know, I thought that even her vote against the amendment to, um, to the 2017 bill protecting Medicare benefits from cuts isn't proof that she wanted to funnel the funds um, for the health care program toward corporate tax cuts instead. So I gave that claim a D. Um, although, you know, depending on your guys' feedback, I was thinking it could also warrant a C if we wanted to give more weight to, um, you know, the ultimate impact 
of the bill being reduced funding available for Medicare or, you know, prompting lawmakers to be searching elsewhere in other areas of the budget to um, offset the rising deficit caused by the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Um, so, yeah, overall, gave it a B, but love to hear your guys' thoughts. I um, I thought this was, uh, I thought you did a really good job um, parsing out all the details of this check. You know, once anytime you're talking about uh, Medicare and, um, you know, tax breaks and stuff, it's, it's complicated stuff. Um, I guess I just first, one of the things I wanted to hit on is just um, the nature of this ad. So it's a six second ad. I assume it's audio ad. Um, that was on Facebook. Um, so is it like, you know, you're scrolling and you click on it or how does this audio, how does this ad pop up? I guess I'm not sure how it would display if you just were to find it in your Facebook feed. Um, but, you know, once you have the direct link to the post, um, at least for me, the video player shows up on the left side and it plays that six second clip with the claim about corporate tax cuts. And then um, looking to the right of it, it has the, you know, that text of the post, which includes the claim about Medicare. And that's okay. You know, I'm not sure how that's up on mobile. So it's similar to a TV ad in the sense that there's audio and then there's the written text of it. It just appears on Facebook instead of TV. Yeah. Okay, cool. I just wonder about the word posted because to me, like, I'm sure that the campaigns all, you know, have like some sort of Facebook presence and they could post things themselves, but this is more of like a commercial, like a paid ad. I just wonder if we, is that, do other people have a different understanding of the word posted or, and is it not that big of a deal? Like, am I quibbling over something small or do you think it's, would be better to just not say, use the word posted. Yeah. I mean, I think that's key context. I think it may be terminology like sponsored content on Facebook or an ad on Facebook, um, rather than just like the web page itself posting like an article or something like, yeah, that is a little bit different than I think what this ad was trying to do. Um, so yeah, I, I can kind of see changing that verbiage to something else. Yeah, I like that sponsored content or ad idea um, because, I mean, this is something that they're paying for it to come up on people's Facebook feeds that do not like the DSCC. Right. And I'm assuming it would like Facebook has like certain algorithms for this kind of content, too. So I'm sure it would like label it and let people know that, hey, this is like a campaign ad, not just like a post by a campaign. And Marissa does say in the check that it's an ad paid for, you know, so that language is in there. I'm just wondering if we could remove the word posted or, you know, um, or somehow rephrase that maybe. And maybe you can mess with that or Marissa decide how you want to do that. Does shared on Facebook change it at all? I feel like that's kind of the same as posted. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think maybe, maybe even you, I guess you could revise the sentence overall and just say, you know, the, the ad was part of Facebook's sponsored content or something. Um, 
I think that provides a little bit of a service to our readers too, just in terms of um, letting people know that, you know, you might see things that look like a post or they're maybe structured to look like a post, but they're actually not. I don't know if everyone is tuned into what would be paid and what wouldn't be paid. Um, but that's one point. And then I wanted to ask about two. Okay. So in the claim one, um, you say the DSCC pointed to news coverage showing that by December, 2018, um, you know, companies had bought back a record 1.1 trillion of stock. Um, and then the next sentence you reference an AP review, is that the news coverage you're referencing or is it other news coverage? No. So the DSCC um, specifically highlighted Fox. Um, so then I, I wanted to check with other outlets since that wasn't like a, you know, New York Times or Washington Post's. Um, so yeah, there were a couple of different figures, but yeah, the, from the coverage that I saw, estimates were either at that $1.1 trillion figure, and it looked like the outlets that were citing that, um, they they used an investment research firm, um, I think it was called Trim Tabs, um, for that estimate, and then there was that separate Associated Press review. Okay. I would just maybe recommend breaking that out a little bit, maybe saying the DSCC pointed to news coverage by um, Fox News, X and X or whatever, and then maybe have the link to those. That way um, we're kind of, people don't necessarily have to click on the link to find out that there is a wide variety of news sources in there, you know, of different political stripes. Yeah. And it sounds like they may have used different like projections or reviews to kind of come to those big numbers or did they use the same like indexes that i wasn't entirely sure of so i can also look at that yeah it just like got me thinking because like i don't know like 800 billion and 1 trillion i guess like why <laughs> they're they're two different numbers like not hugely different i guess if you think about it um but i just wonder if like they use two different like research you know, projections or, you know, I think it'd be interesting to kind of point out like why these numbers are different from each other too. Yeah. And that's a good point. Cause I'm not sure if, you know, by the AP only looking at companies um, in the S and P 500, you know, if that's bringing it lower and if the, you know, if other articles like the Vox and um, you know, whatever else was out there, um, if they were maybe, broadening what they were looking at so yeah definitely and one other quick note um just kind of on the like full disclosure front for our readers um in claim two um there's the audio clip from iowa starting line and as you appropriately note that's a left-leaning news website um I wonder, you know, sometimes a clip can be like a partial sentence or it kind of starts midway. Is it very clear from that clip that Ernst is talking specifically about like Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid? Um, let me look back at this. Because, I mean, I she doesn't in the audio clip. Well, so, OK, so an unknown man in this clip before she speaks asks her. Um, 
It is interesting hearing your classmate, David Perdue, has been pretty frank about the changes that need to happen to Medicare and Medicaid. Are you on the same page with him on that? So, you know, then she she doesn't directly mention Medicare in her response, but she's she begins talking about how, um, you know, we understand that our non-discretionary spending is growing like this, um, to referring directly back to you know, programs like Medicare and Medicaid that was in the question posed to her. I think that's fair. I think as long as she uses the words non-discretionary programs, we can make the um, connection with that and these um, other, you know, specific programs, especially because that's how the question came up. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, uh, they included all that context. And it sounds like they did because they included the question before it. So that's good. Yeah, do you think I should pull out more of that context for this piece just to make that clear to readers, or do you think it's fine as is? I think a sentence there wouldn't hurt. Yeah, you could just say something like, you know, when asked a question at said event about X, Y, and Z, Ernst responded, or excuse yeah, Ernst responded, and then you can kind of pull into what you already have written here. Okay. Yeah, I thought all of this was really good context, Marissa. Um, and I thought you did a really good job with this. And and kind of continuing on, you know, questions I have about claim two, you know, I think this context with what you said, you know, in this Iowa starting line clip is is good. But I wonder, in your research, were you able to ever find if she did support voice support for a specific proposal to revamp or cut funding for these programs, you know? It's one thing I think in my, I guess in my mind and, and, you know, other members of the team may have different thoughts, but it's one thing in her mind for her to say, yeah, this is a problem. And another thing for her to say, it's a problem. And here is the specific thing I support to do about it. I, I wonder if you guys, if you, Marissa, have found anything about that in your research? I wasn't able to, and I did find the Des Moines Register um, opinions piece from Senator Ernst where, you know, she was trying to um you know tell people that the this was all a misconception that the passage of the tax cuts and jobs act um put funding for programs like medicare at risk there was that piece of it but yeah i, I couldn't find anything um specifically to that point okay yeah i think there's a difference between whether i mean she has made any I mean public hey we need to cut medicare type statements versus main, because I think the text with that ad makes it seem almost like, I mean, she's going in with the expectation of, oh yeah, I got to take away that Medicare, but it doesn't sound like that's the case. Yeah, no, I certainly didn't find anything in, that was, you know, that direct from the Senator on cutting Medicare funding to fund tax cuts. Yeah, definitely. And I think this context you provided, um, you know, from, excuse me, I'm looking at his name, but but the the chief actuary at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, I thought this, this piece that you included, Marissa, about how, you know, they've lost three years of solvency and they, they attribute the loss of one of those years to this GOP tax bill. I think that's really good context. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, I don't think it necessarily ties back directly to Ernst. Um, I guess you could argue that it does because she did vote in favor of this bill, but it, I don't really see any 
any claims here that would support her saying, yeah, I, I want to cut funding for Medicare and here's how I'm going to do it. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that uh, um, you've got good details on here and I agree with the grades on, on claim two and on claim one. Okay. Yeah, I agree with the A and the D as well. Yeah, I was unclear about the overall grade because I was like, huh, an A and a D, that averages to like a C plus or, you know, something that's like not quite in our grading scale. Yeah, we don't do the pluses and minuses, so it makes that average kind of tricky. I would be in favor of emphasizing, kind of giving the tiebreaker to the A because I think that's the larger part of the ad. And um, I mean, I think a lot of people gravitate right to the video and then see, oh yeah, there's a little caption next to it. So I would kind of break the tiebreaker with the A myself. That's an interesting point, John. You know, if some of our claims we've been doing lately, we've been, um, you know, just doing kind of a strict average of the, you know, of the couple of claims in there. Um, but I think, you know, I'm thinking about the claims from last week um, from the debate, the second district debate. Well, both of those statements were said in a debate with kind of the same circumstances. But in this case, the um, the audio of the ad is the first thing that pops up and many people may not get to the second statement. So you could see that having more weight and perhaps pushing it from a C plus to, you know, we don't do pluses, but, you know, from a C to a B. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point because, I mean, I didn't even notice that there was another verifiable claim associated with this ad until, you know, like a couple days ago. And I was like, oh, wait, the, you know, the actual writing in Facebook introduces this completely new claim. So, yeah, I think I'd also be in favor of, um, you know, giving more weight to that first claim that's in the video portion of that. Of course, if people read this, they, I, you know, people are always going to have their, their thoughts about it, depending where they come from. But uh, they see that she has a D on one of the claims. And it's like, how could she end up with a B overall? But I think as long as we describe how that weighting, how we weighted the claims because of the, um, the, how much more prominent claim one is, I think that that will help readers understand that better. I agree. Okay. Yeah. I'll make that clear in the overall grade. Then. One more quickie point here. Um, speaking of um, Paul Spitalnik, if I'm saying his name right, um, the sentence right before where you talk about the PolitiFact reviewed a claim by Trump, and this is where we get into the stuff from Spitalnik. Um, but you say, moreover, experts say projections for the, these programs are ultimately worse off after the passage of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Is are you referring to Spitalnik there? Is that kind of your lead in to that portion? Yes, and there there was also. Um... I forget the names of the medical association, but there's um, a medical association that um, also had some projections about the solvency of Medicare, but I'm not sure if that essentially is also just, um, you know, if that's kind of redundant, if it's, if the association is tied to Paul Spitalnik. So Mm -hmm. I'll check in on that and then, you know, I, I may revise that portion accordingly then. You could always just say um, one um, one 
one expert, one authoritative expert, or, you know, I mean, he's, you know, his, his title really puts him squarely in the area of person who should know. So I don't think it diminishes the story at all. Just maybe tweak that a tiny bit. Yeah. And I feel like claims always have more weight when it's, um, you know, you attribute the same information to more than one source too. Um, I don't know. I, I think that would kind of help with this claim too. Just kind of like, yeah, this has this credibility in this too. Yeah, I agree. So the, I was doing like a little word count here. It looks like the um, check as it is right now comes in about 33 inches. Um, And so the trick for you, Marissa, is as you're doing these final edits is to um, not add a bunch, a bunch more length to it, but I think you can do it. (laughs) We believe in you. I'll swing it. It'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, I was thinking about, too, about next week. You know, usually on our podcast, we talk about the claim that's coming next week. And, um, you know, I'm guessing all these claims are going to be going away, um, at least for the 2020 election. So maybe we'll take next week off to regroup and then see what the fact checker has coming um, later in November. Does that sound, what do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds, sounds good, good to, me. to me. Yeah, maybe a good opportunity to leave our uh, inbox open for anybody if they go to any campaign victory parties or see anything on the news that they think would be good for us to to check. Kind of as we head into this new cycle, um, we'll we'll have to see if any of those come in too. And what's that email address again, Michaela? That email address is factchecker at thegazette.com. It's almost like we planned that. <laughs> it was too perfect. <laughs> Um, well, Marissa, did you have anything else to add? Um, no, I'm, I'm finished. But yeah, we will certainly need help uh, finding our post-election cycle identity as a fact-checking team. So <laughs> please do that email. Um, yeah, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, our our fact-checks are edited by Craig Jamolis, produced by Stephen Colbert, and our music is Lobby Time by Kevin McLeod. Um, again, I am Marissa Payne. I'm John Steppy. I'm Michaela Ram. And I'm Erin Jordan. And we'll fact check you later. Yay! Yes.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.